Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Episode two of the Football Fate and How to Change It podcast. My name is Tim, joined once again by Mr. Warren Dennis Frogger. How are you doing, my good friend? I'm doing really good today. I'm uh, in equal parts surprised uh, and delighted that we've made it to episode two. Um, I'm over the moon that we're here. I did not expect us to be here, but we're here, <laughs> which is a plus, really. Anything above episode one was a bonus. So yeah, absolutely. Here we are. And uh, we're even doing uh, quite a topical scenario for today. going to get straight really in are. and explain why it's so topical, because as things stand right now, the second half of the North London derby uh, has just kicked off. Uh, currently, Spurs 2 and up in that one. But we're not really focusing on this Spurs game. We're focusing on... Uh, the 2005-06 season, the infamous Lasagna Gate, where Tottenham, going into the last day of the season, were two points above Arsenal. Tottenham were in fourth place, Arsenal were in fifth place. All Tottenham needed was to better Arsenal's result on the last day, and uh, it would be quite a historic moment for them, finishing in fourth above Arsenal for the first time. In they didn't do it, though, did they? They didn't do it, Tim. Uh, a certain West Ham United spoiled that, but Spurs don't blame West Ham United. Spurs blame the lasagna that they were served prior to the match, which allegedly gave all of the Spurs players terrible stomach problems. I I'd imagine. like to add, I'd like to add straight away there, you've said a crucial word, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. It was just those pesky Claren Blue lot from East London. That was the real problem. Uh, you might be able to tell already in what is probably less than a minute in, this scenario holds a special place in my heart. So it's really tough to uh, rewrite this. But, you know, who cares? It happened in real life. <laughs> but what if what if Tottenham were served salad? That's what we're asking, essentially, isn't it? That is what we're asking. We're essentially going to look into if Spurs did not have that lasagna excuse to fall back on. Uh, maybe they did actually have illness. Maybe it wasn't anything to do with that. But we're going to look and see what happened, what would have happened if Spurs were served salad on that fateful afternoon uh before we get started i believe you've got some of that you want to stay before we pick yes who goes first i actually do which i forgot to say in the first episode so uh sorry but he's gonna forgive me because he's my brother uh big shout out to my brother matt he uh does the intro and the outro music he does video editing and he essentially taught me and warren how to edit a video because we'd never done that before uh doesn't know the first thing about football so he's probably not watching right now but i'd like to thank him because he's a top bloke uh, and with that, I'm going to hand back to you, mate, because you're potentially going to go first in what, you know, we're already breaking the tradition <laughs> in episode two. <laughs> well, yeah, we're all about, uh, you know, being visionary and being... Keeping the audience guessing. Keeping the what audience makes guessing. a good podcast is keeping the audience guessing. <laughs> being flagrant with rules that, that we came up with. Um... <laughs> we want to put a line in the sand early that we will not stick to any rules that we create. Well, what we uh, announced in the first episode was that we would always decide who goes first with their tall tale by uh, virtue of whosoever team scores last or the most recent goal scored for whosoever team. But uh, in this very Super Sunday where Arsenal and Tottenham are playing, the uh, game before this one was Leicester versus Sheffield United, where uh, Sheffield Wednesday, born and bred, prodigal son, Jamie Vardy, scored a last-minute <laughs> goal against Sheffield United, condemning them to another defeat forcing them to buy a new corner flag in the process. So uh, I'm putting uh, my stamp on this one. I'm going to go first because that moment caused me so much joy that uh, I think it's only right. Do it. This is going to re look really bad if Sheffield United stay up. Um, but, you know, we've still had the joy of this afternoon, so I'm going to let you go. 
Yeah. Um, listen, yeah, the, Premier time, League, the Premier League will look really bad if Sheffield United stay up. But uh, it looks pretty bad day. anyway, to be it, fair. Yeah, that it does. Tottenham, top of the league. You're not top, happy about top that. Of it. And they're going to win it as well, which <laughs> is going to probably force me into podcast retirement. But... Well, you know. listen, we're on episode two. Let's try and make it to episode three. <laughs> I'm going to go first. And my tall tale about what would have happened if uh, Tottenham had been served salad rather than lasagna, it's all about it's all about power struggles across all of London and not just in the North London. It's about big trophies and terrible managers. It's about iconic footballing photographs being taken, transfer wheeling and dealing, and a big party in Ecuador. But we're going to start Ecuador. things off in Ecuador. We're going to start. Brilliant. We're going to start. Things We've all off. been to one. We've all been to Ecuador. We're going to start things off on that fateful day, uh, assuming that Tottenham were served salad and they did not have any sort of dicky tummy leading up to the game against West Ham. They play West Ham on the last day. Given that Tottenham did not allegedly have any health concerns going into this match, they do beat West Ham on the final day. They don't just beat them. You'll be very sad to hear this, Tim. They beat them 5-0. They know that it's a chance. I feel like that's a bit overzealous, but (laughs) Well, listen, Tottenham know that it's a chance to get one over Arsenal. They know that it's a chance to finish in fourth place. Um, They've got a squad, not really, of Champions League players, so it's it's something to really work for for all of them. Uh, And they take their chance emphatically. It's a big win. It's a Robbie Keane hat-trick. You won't be surprised to hear that both Defoe and Michael Carrick get on the score sheet. And um, puts them on to uh, 68 points. Doesn't matter what Arsenal did. Because uh, Tottenham won, and uh, Spurs finished in the Champions League, Arsenal finished in the UEFA Cup. It's the first time that Spurs have finished above Arsenal since 1995. Uh, in real life, if you're wondering, this wouldn't happen again for another sort of 10 years until the 2016-17 season. So, quite a big moment in Premier League yeah. football. Um, I do want to mention the FA Cup final uh, of 2006, a match that I know uh, that you, or I believe you attended. Uh, West Ham played Liverpool days afterwards, straight after this game when they got beat 5-0 by Spurs. Obviously, in real life, it was the Gerrard final when he uh, absolutely twatted one in from about 30 Go and watch yards. episode one, by the way. Go and watch episode one if you're that interested. That sense around Gerrard. Gerrard. Certainly uh, does. We're hopefully, you know. I'd love to say that we kind of brought him some demise, but we didn't. So, we ultimately, yeah. yeah, we didn't. But uh, maybe I will right here. Maybe not. You're about to find out now. <laughs> Uh, in real life, it's the Gerrard final. But things have changed quite a lot because of this uh, Spurs hammering of, of West Ham. Um, Pardew, who was your manager at the time, which I always forget he managed you, Alan Pardew was humbled by that 5-0 loss. He realised that uh, you know West Ham had just been outplayed by a top four team. He's about to play another top four team. Liverpool finished third. Uh, and he doesn't want to get, to get beat again. He realises that he can't make it a completely open game, which is what he seems to do in real life, you know, being the sort of smarmy, arrogant wanker that he is. He played 4-4-2 <laughs> in that final. Uh, and it, to be fair, it nearly paid off you, but it didn't. Um, but here's what he did in this tall tale. First of all, he has a little thing. He decides that he wants to do a bit of a defensive job on Liverpool. He doesn't want any sort of 2-2 score lines. He wants to play 4-5-1. Um, and he does. He's got a couple of injuries and suspensions. Hayden Mullins is suspended, which is who we'd want to sort of go in as a DM position. He didn't have a lot of other sort of midfielders uh, to choose from, and he couldn't coach defence, so he's not going to play back five. Um, So it left him to select uh, a 19-year-old 
by the name of Mark Noble to play in midfield for only a sort of seventh or eighth appearance for West Ham. My hero. But that's how you lined up on that final day. It was uh, his lopping goal, a back four of Christian Daly, uh, Anton Ferdinand, Danny Gabidon, and Paul Koncheski. Uh, flat midfield five of Scaloni pushed up to right mid. Fletcher, Rio Coca Noble, and Yossi Benayoun with big Marlon Harewood up front. Uh, he had a couple of injury Give concerns. Me all kinds of flashbacks. <laughs> I think he had to a happier time. I think he had Etherington out and Ashton out in real life, or they were injury concerns. And uh, anyway, in this universe, they, they were concerns, play. but I think they both. But Ashton definitely played because he scored the second goal. Well, and I think Etherington had the shot for it. I think they were both concerns, but they both played. Well, it's funny you say that. So, in the <laughs> FA Cup final, in this uh, tall tale, it becomes quite a muddy affair. West Ham still go one 0 up. Uh, Scaloni sticks a cross in that Carragher boots into his own net. Um, so they go 1-0 up through the same means. But the second goal doesn't happen because he's quite rightly saying Everton doesn't have the shot for Ashton to put in the uh, the Fair, rebound. Yeah. So if the half finishes 1-0 to West Ham. Second half, uh, Paul Koncheski doesn't score uh, because West Ham are playing far too deep. West Ham are just looking to sort of see the next 45 minutes of football out. So it's still 1-0. But in the 90th minute, the ball does come to Steven Gerrard, who's 30 yards out. But he doesn't shoot. He takes the ball down and he tries to work something. I, I don't know if you know this, but it, it, I'm sure you've, you've you've tried to avoid seeing this goal. But the I, only reason yeah. that he ever actually took the shot on was because, in his own words, he said he was basically blown out of his arse so much that he couldn't think of anything else to do but hit it as hard as he could. <laughs> Given that West Ham had basically been camped in their own box. The Liverpool players didn't have as much, didn't have as strenuous of a game to play. Gerard still had gas in the tank and he didn't take on what was a pretty improbable shot in the first ridiculous, place. Ridiculous. A ridiculous reason to have a shot from there. <laughs> Genuinely lunacy. Well, it, it's, it seems to me to be like a one in 1,000 chance of it happening and we're focusing on a scenario where it was one of the other 999 times because <laughs> Gerard doesn't shoot. He passes the ball off, but the ball doesn't end up going anywhere significant. And uh, West Ham do cling on for that 1-0 win. So you win your, I believe, fourth FA Cup off fourth the FA back Cup. of a 5-0 loss to Tottenham. So I'm, you know, I'm sure you take that. my Moretti bottle to impersonate <laughs> the FA Cup. The Cockneys, Cockneys are dancing on the streets of Cardiff. Um, <laughs> it's absolute uh, pandemonium, really. Uh, if you wonder about Man of the Match, simply for his energy and his ball retention, and his match-high number of tackles, and considering he was only 19 at the time, man of the match actually goes to a young Mark Noble. And that doesn't have much make bearing. Me cry. That doesn't have much bearing on this universe. The only thing it really does change <laughs> is that, because he burst onto the scene, if you will, Mark Noble does... Uh, <laughs> he does earn a solitary England cap for his troubles. Yes, uh, I'm happier about that than the FA Cup. <laughs> Genuinely, which oh, uh, I so deserved. It is deserved. It came in 2007, uh, being brought on in a 5-0 friendly victory over Moldova, um, which he did not score in, but he did get his England cap. Anyway, that's fine. We're going back to uh, we're going back to Tottenham, and uh, basically the upshot of all this is that. Uh, they're watching the FA Cup final, knowing that they finished in the Champions League spot. They're in fourth place. Given that Spurs had uh, the Champions League, they have additional money, they have additional pull, it leads to a pretty tasty, impressive transfer window's worth of business for Tottenham. First of all, Michael Carrick does leave that team. He does still go at Man United for 16 mil. And Dimitar Berbatov, Didier Zakora, and Mido all arrived through the doors just as they did in real life. But there's some pretty handy extra additions that Tottenham make. The defence gets beefed up 
Julian Lescott gets brought in out of Everton, and Brazilian right back Maicon gets brought out of Monaco, each for about six million. Um, that's, about, that's one knock-on effect that I can see being well, um, yeah, never happening. I'm sure. I'm sure that gets touched on. So Maicon is playing for Spurs. Uh, Didier Zakora gets brought into the midfield, as I said, and uh, uh, apparently Martin Yol goes a little bit Ivorian midfielder crazy, and he signs a young Yaya Torre <laughs> out of uh, Olympiacos. Um, and last but very much not least, French League wonder kid, don't know if you remember this name, was certainly a favourite on uh, Football Manager and Championship Manager, maybe not Championship Manager, Football Manager, Johan Gorkouf gets snapped up I from Rennes. I signed him for, I want to say Newcastle, and he tore the league apart in <laughs> FM08. I'm surprised he didn't go to Newcastle in real life when they brought all them French Feel players under party. Did he? I don't think he did. They signed after French League at that point. I wouldn't. You're thinking of Yuan. You're thinking of Yuan Gofran. wasn't it? Yeah. Get anyway, Gofran's mixed up. That's <laughs> so many people do. So they spent about 45 million total, which isn't bad money back in 2006 for a, you know a couple of good signings. Uh, and the starting eleven looks like this, just a little bit of colour. Robinson's in goal. It's a back four of Mykon, Dawson, Lescott and uh, Young Pio uh, with a midfield of Lennon, Zakora, Ture and Gorku with Keane and Berbatov in the front line. Um, and the 2006-07 season uh, in real life saw f- uh, Spurs finish in fifth place. They actually had a big injury crisis. They had all the defenders out. Uh, I'm saying that this doesn't happen in this universe. You know, maybe they've got Champions League football, they've got some different players, maybe they had a different preseason, whatever, but they did not have the injury crisis they did, and uh, they had a much better time of it. And funnily enough, Spurs under Martin Yol uh, get a reputation as one of the best teams to watch in the Premier League. Uh, they lined up in a 4-4-2, and they just had a lot of different weapons. They had Keenan Berbatov up front in real life, great partnership, maybe a little bit Son and Kane, who knows? They've got Sakura and Tori in the middle, which is just like, that's just engine room on toes, basically. Yeah, Pace on the is. wings, they've got overlaps from fullback. They've got everything. They're a good team. They still have Paul Robinson in goal. You know, can't, you can't have everything. <laughs> Swings around about, you know? Exactly. Um, they ended up finishing third. Uh, they're definitely like the best of the rest sort of team. Uh, behind uh, Chelsea finished second and Man United obviously finished first back in 06 07. Domestic Cups didn't go great. They they went out of them in the same way as they did in real life. They've got the semis uh, against Arsenal and the quarters against Chelsea. But they did have a Champions League campaign to navigate. Uh, the group that they got put in um, was obviously the group that Arsenal uh, would have had, which was Porto, CSK, Moscow and Hamburg, uh, which they top. Uh, they draw PSV in the first knockout round and they make it through that. This sets up a quarterfinal tie with Liverpool, Hello. Which Spurs also win, so they do the semi final okay. in their first um, Champions League campaign, and it's a semi final against Chelsea. What's Ooh. interesting about this, obviously, is this should be the this in real life is the Liverpool Milan uh, part two final, but uh, Spurs Jeez. beat Liverpool in the quarters, and it sets up a semi final appearance against Chelsea, which is obviously a huge game for Spurs. Champions okay. League, Chelsea okay. semi final. Obviously, Chelsea win. Uh, you know, it's it's that's easy. <laughs> it's to... not being around the <laughs> Yeah, this isn't. We're not being crazy. Um, Joe Cole scores the only goal in the home leg at Stamford Bridge. Second leg finishes nil nil. Uh, Zakora and uh, Robbie Keane both get sent off in quite a bad tempered affair. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. But it sees you know Spurs go out a little bit of uh, extra colour as well. It does set up a Chelsea Milan final, which was at the San Siro. 
and this is this is Jose was Mourinho's it Chelsea. Chelsea. It was at the Chelsea. Jose Mourinho's Chelsea, former Internazionale man, uh, at the San Siro against Milan. I mean, you can imagine that, that Joe, it's the sort of game that Jose wants to win. He's not got his uh, Champions League with Chelsea yet either. And uh, Chelsea just put on the most vintage Mourinho performance you could ever hope for. It's a 1-0 win for Chelsea after extra time. Ricardo Carvalho scoring from a corner. He's uh, a name I've not thought of. <laughs> I love to go to Ricardo Carvalho. Great centre-half. Um, and Chelsea hang on for Jose's Champions League win to bring home to West London. And it is actually it's an iconic photo that gets taken of Mourinho, who uh, can't help himself but to run past the AZ Milan fans, giving him the shushing signal. Um <laughs> But uh, obviously they've been abusing him all game, and he gave a little bit back. But uh, listen, back to Spurs. Uh, they get to a Champions League semi final. They finished third in the league. They finished above Arsenal for the second year it's in a, a row. Um, it is a good time to be a Spurs fan. Um, moving on, two thousand seven eight season. Uh, um, it is. Uh, it's another big window for Spurs. You know they're looking to uh, to try and set their place in the Premier League as it is right now. Um, strengthen from a position of strength. And that is what they think they're doing. So in real life and in this tall tale, they're getting uh, uh, one Gareth Bale uh, for five million for out of Southampton and Eunice Kabul as well. But the big star signing that they do make, Mido and Defoe actually leave the club this summer. So there's a vacancy at striker. Okay. And the person that they go for is a man who's just come off the back of a 34-goal season in 31 Eredivisie games. For her and me, it's not. It is it a is. twenty million pound move for Brazilian striker Alfonso Alves, Middlesbrough Colt villain Alfonso Alves. It's I was going to say that's a cracking knock-on effect for the borough. That's brilliant for them. It is brilliant for them. It's brilliant for her and Veen. It's brilliant for everyone. Um, because to be fair, you know, uh, a little bit of a spoiler. Alfonso Alves does a little bit better in this season than he did in his first season in English football. But anyway, much worse, could he? He couldn't have done much worse. But things have kept going well for Martin Yule Spurs. He, he doesn't get sacked, as he does in real life, because Spurs have another great season. They finish top four again. Uh, and his team are they're looking good. Alfonso Alves, it's the ground running. They've got wingers of uh, Adel Sarat come through the door. Him on one side, Johan Golkouf on the other. The streets, that's, that's the streets just, won't forget. The streets will never forget. And that is just uh, all about the showboat, really, when those two are on the pitch. <laughs> and um, they finish third again, above Arsenal, who finish fourth again. A little bit of a meme starting to develop uh, that Spurs now always finish above Arsenal. That's what the sort of Spurs fans are trying to peddle. Um, Spurs fans adopting the phrase "Sent Arsenal Lington's Day," uh, the day that Arsenal can no longer finish above <laughs> Spurs, uh, and that's not a meme that ever catches on. But um, thank God for that, really. League Cup, they do get to the final. Um, interestingly enough, they get to the final in real life. Jonathan Woodgate isn't playing to score them the winning goal. It's Lescott that started. Uh, so it goes to penalties. This is a game against Chelsea, this League Cup final. Uh, and Chelsea win the League Cup against Tottenham in the final. Um, Avran Grant okay. has a uh, has a, <laughs> a piece of silverware to his name. Which is one of his a, many masterclasses. <laughs> which is one of, quite a scary uh, scary, uh, scary cross, uh, prospect. Um, but the FA Cup goes better in real life. Uh, in real life, they uh, got knocked out by Man United in the fourth round. But in this tall tale, they do beat them. They go through... To play Harry Redknapp's Portsmouth, uh, who were, I believe, the eventual winners, but Tottenham beat them as well. Uh, that was in the quarters. Um, oh, sorry, they beat Man United in the fourth round. They beat Arsenal in the fifth round, further adding to the mean. Uh, and then Actually, they go on and really beat the uh, Harry Redknapp's Portsmouth. 
they got West Brom in the semis. Uh, I don't know if you remember the the, the sort of semi final lineup. Barnsley, in real life. yeah, Barnsley, Cardiff, and West Brom, wasn't it? Yeah. And then Portsmouth. Well, uh, Spurs and beat... Barnsley had beat like everyone that year as well. I swear they yeah. they knocked out like four like big teams or three or four like big teams. Yeah, it was anyway. It, that's it was one of those weird ones. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is. But there's no Barnsley in this one because uh, Tottenham beat Portsmouth. They go on and beat West Brom in the semis, and it's Cardiff in the final, who they beat as well. Uh, it's an Alfonso Alves hat trick, which sees um, Martin Hill get an FA Cup under his belt at Tottenham. So, you know, they're down a League Cup. They're up an FA Cup. You, you probably take it. They got to the final of the other competition. Yeah. Um, and crucially, they've got another Champions League final to... Champions League final, whoops. Champions League campaign to Jesus. negotiate as well. Um, Spurs get drawn into a group of Sevilla, Stal Bucharesti and Slavia Prague, which is another quite sort of Europa League group that they've got themselves. Yeah, but that's who, really they, is, that's yeah. who they get. Uh, which they top as well. Uh, because they top the group, they go on to play uh, Fernabache, which is why I'm rocking this delightful <laughs> Fernabache number from a couple of years ago. Um, and they beat Fernabache, sadly. Um, ah. And they move on to the quarterfinals against Chelsea, who, ah. if you remember, knocked them out at the semifinal stage of the last campaign. They get their revenge on Chelsea this time round, and they do beat them. Sets up a semifinal against Liverpool, who they also beat, and it sets up a Champions League final, a fated all Premier League final in 2007 8 against Manchester United. It should have been the uh, Chelsea Oops. Chelsea United final. It's the Chelsea, no, it's not, it's the Tottenham Man United final. <laughs> Game goes to penalties, as it did. Ronaldo misses United's third penalty, as he did. Michael Dawson is Spurs' captain, who steps Surely up to take he's his not penalty. Got, he's got better studs than John Terry. He's got better studs, and he slots He's in. a better bloke. He's a better bloke, and he has more progressive <laughs> views on race, and he slots home his penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Terry, Dawson buries it, and it's Champions League glory for Spurs. They win the Champions League. What a time to be a Spurs fan. With this. It's Listen, if you're a Spurs fan, you're in dreamland. It's a FA Cup Champions League double. Um... Martin Yule's getting the bumps. Tarat and Gorku are rugging each other. Spurs fans <laughs> are lining the streets in Moscow, I believe it was. It was Moscow. It was Moscow. It's a it's a cracking time to be from the uh, Spurs side of North London. It's not a great time to be from the Arsenal side of North London. Um, Arsenal yeah, are no, not happy yeah. with Arsenal's consistent underachievement since sort of, 2003-04. You know, if you sort of think of it this way, Arsenal only won their last league in 2004 were in 2007-8, and they've just completely yeah. fallen off a cliff under Arsene Wenger, so it would seem. Um, and they had an absolute early season, poor spell of form, um, and they sacked Wenger in 2007. Sacked, is he? Wenger okay. sacked. Wenger out uh, happened only about 10 years previously. Um, <laughs> Arsene, if you're wondering, Arsene Wenger goes off, he finds some international club to manage or something. Uh, Arsene Wenger is replaced... Uh, by Alan Kerbishley, um, who doesn't do very well. <laughs> he doesn't do very well, or indeed last very long. They um, must have taken him off of West Ham there as well. And as far as I can remember, we had a very kind of mid-table kind of finish around 07-08. Didn't set the world on fire. No, and uh, if he was out of his depth at West Ham, which he potentially was, he was well out of his depth at Arsenal. Um, but um, just to sort of round out the managerial coming and goings, Mourinho had also left Chelsea. 
yeah. at the uh, start of the year, you know, he'd got his Champions League. He, you know, the the he always loses the dressing room in his third season. It was time to go. Um, and funnily enough, it's potentially something at all tell that we might touch on in the future because when McLaren was sacked by England yes. in January two thousand eight, Mourinho was offered the uh, England job, or at least purported to be heavily linked with it. Um, and in this university, does succeed McLaren as England job. I'm Takes sure that's it. something that we'll touch on in a later episode. Watch out for that. Foreshadowing. But uh, that's where he goes. So, back to Spurs. We're into the 2008-19. Martin Yol sadly leaves the club. He gets poached by the Netherlands after they underperform at Europe it's good 2008. Job. It's, good job for it's a great job. I mean, it's oh, he's going to take it. Um, they sat their manager in real life in Euro 2008, and I think if Martin Yol was where he was right now, I think they'd get him out of Tottenham. Uh, Yol also, you know, he's just won the FA Cup in the Champions League for Tottenham. There's not, it, it, you know, there's not really much else he can do for this club. And he's left Tottenham in a cracking place. Uh, at the start of the 08-09 season, Spurs are looking for a new boss, and, and you know, they're queuing around the block for this job. In real life, it's Harry Redknapp who gets appointed. But, you know, Spurs are Champions League winning team. Harry Redknapp doesn't even get the uh, FA Cup, you know, to his name, uh, given that Tottenham knocked his Portsmouth side out of uh, out of the semis. Um, or the quarters, I believe it was. Um, so he's nowhere near the job. If you're wondering, this whole sort of tra- uh, managerial uh, saga goes on while Tottenham were playing at the 2008 Club World Cup. Um, of course, yeah, that's which, the thing. Which, if you're wondering about uh, the party in Ecuador that I mentioned, uh, Tottenham <laughs> did lose the Club World Cup final to Liga Deportiva Universitaria Quito. Uh, Ecuador Rolls off the tongue, doesn't winners. it? Well done. I believe so, they just go yeah. by UCD Quito. Uh, they won the Copa Libertadores, which is an achievement in itself. That's, I mean, that's good, yeah. And, I feel like um, an Ecuadorian team winning the Copa Libertadores, the South American Champions League. Um, I feel like that's a yeah. pretty good achievement. It's big news. Um, it, yeah. I will be wearing a uh, UCD Quito top in the next tall tale. Oh, what um, a good idea. <laughs> if I can find one. If they but, but uh, yes, so uh, big party in Ecuador. But before the final of that competition, which Tottenham went on to bottle against UCD Quito, it was announced who would take over at Spurs. And that man was none other than Frank Rijkaard, manager okay. of Barcelona, yeah. had just left to be succeeded by Guardiola. It makes sense, you know. It, I can it, see it. Rijkaard was known for his attacking play. He's another Dutchman. Uh, Spurs fans are happy, you know. You know what Spurs are like. They'd love to think that that Rijkaard going to Tottenham from Barcelona would be like a sideways or upward step. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, they're absolutely. very happy. Um, Spurs were able to keep the majority of their squad together after winning the Champions League. Uh, Berbatov, Keane, Alves, Zakora, Torre—they were all at the club. Um, but Rijkaard did make one notable addition. Uh, he brought in a Barcelona player that had been told by incoming manager Pep that he was not needed at the new camp. Ronaldinho is coming to White Hart Lane for 20 million great British pounds. It's an absolute oh, coup. I mean, Rijkaard wanted Ronaldinho proud of place in his starting living, and he went for a very tasty 4 2 4 formation. It's an attacking quartet of Berbatov, Alves, Ronaldinho, and Keane. Uh, which actually became known as the uh, Bark uh, Front Four. <laughs> uh, um, and on paper, it looks absolutely fantastic. As you can imagine, 
the season went extremely badly for Frank Rijkaard yeah, and his of new course, team. Of course it was. <laughs> asking, uh, part of the problem was asking Dawson and Lescott to play on the halfway line with like no protection in front of them in a 4-2-4 wasn't great. Asking Berbatov to press wasn't great. Asking Ronaldinho to pass the ball wasn't great. And yeah. it just all really sort of fell off a cliff. They went out of both domestic cups at early stages. Uh, they ended up finishing eighth uh, despite such... Um, uh, you know, to be fair, it was not a bad finish considering they had such early season poor form. Saw them spend a lot of season in the bottom half. Uh, funnily enough, they still finished above Arsenal, who finished tenth. Uh, they got rid of Alan Kerbishley. They replaced him with Dick Advocat, uh, who was another poor choice. Of um, course, because why wouldn't you? Because why wouldn't they? But um, Ronaldinho did not inspire Tottenham to back to back to back uh, Champions League finishes. Ronaldinho scored one goal in thirty-two appearances. And uh, somewhat Who was that goal against? That goal was against, uh, I'm going to say, plucking out the top of my head, I'm going to say Manchester City he scored against. Okay, Um, I rate that. A Rubinho-Ronaldinho showdown, (laughs) by the sounds of things. (laughs) Yeah, I imagine that between them, they both cumulatively ran about... Both scored in a one-all draw, we'll say that. (laughs) Yeah, and they both ran about three kilometres between them. (laughs) Um, But unsurprisingly, Rijkaard is sacked in mid-April. Uh, they got drubbed 4-0 by Everton, it was. Uh, R- Rijkaard does not last a full season at Tottenham, considering the fall-off from where he took them over to where he finished with them. Uh, Glenn Oddle gets drafted in to steady the ship. Um, okay. And um, to be honest, it, it that this is sort of where everything goes downhill for Tottenham. If you're expecting a tall tale where Tottenham, you know, it, it, they uh, establish themselves as one of the dominant teams in, in England, it doesn't happen. Uh, Rijkaard gets replaced by Martin O'Neill, who completely fails to keep most of Tottenham's best players. To be fair, he was doing well at Villa at the time, wasn't he? He was doing well, but uh, he could not command the respect of that particular dressing room. So Berbatov, Keane, Gorkouf, Lescott, Maicon, Dawson, Torre and Asu Okoto all leave permanently to various top uh, European and Premier League clubs. Uh, Adel Tarat goes to Real Madrid, as you might expect. Ronaldinho (laughs) Uh, gets instantly loaned out to Lazio, never to play in England again. Uh, the wow. only real sort of survivor is Alfonso Alves, uh, but he he stopped scoring. Um, and Tottenham basically become a mid-table club. They swap managers most years. Arsenal actually get their sort of act together. They appoint Manuel Pellegrini. They become a competent okay. team. And for the rest of the decade, uh, they finish, or the next 10 years, they finish above Tottenham. Every single time. So that's sort of where, you know, the Tottenham sort of arc more or less ends there. Uh, But what all this has been building up to is the 2010 World Cup, which I'm going to talk to you about now. That was the end of the 09-010 season. Oh, tight, Sapuri Shabalala, by the way. (laughs) I will mention that every time the 2010 World Cup comes up. Bafana, Bafana. So, (laughs) 2010 World Cup is where this sort of chronological tale comes to an end. Give you a little uh, recap. As I mentioned, Mourinho is at England. Martin Yol is at Netherlands. Yes. Obviously, 2010, Netherlands had a very good World Cup. Um, and so did England. Uh, we actually beat Germany in the knockouts after Mourinho's pre-tournament mind games about the referee World Cup referees <laughs> always, uh, always giving decisions against England. The Lampard goal gets given against Germany, <laughs> which, funnily enough, might well be another tall tale that we touched. Yeah, that'll point. come another time as well, I'm sure. But uh, England beat Germany in the knockouts. They go to uh, the first round, I should say. Uh, England go on to play Argentina, who are in real life currently managed by uh, Scaloni, the guy that uh, oh, started the uh, 
started the um... the guy that gave the ball to Gerard when we were three two up. <laughs> yeah, he also never forgive him. He also got the assist for Carragher's own goal, so you know swings and roundabouts. He did. He, he bombed up and down that right flank. He, but he did give the ball to Gerard on a plate, albeit about 147 yards out. But but uh, England beat a Scaloni, uh, not Scaloni managed at the time. But anyway, England beat Argentina. That was Maradona that year, wasn't it? Uh, or was that 2014? It, no, it was 20. Ooh, it might have been one of them was Maradona, where he had the vision of the player. Mm. Oh, that might have been 2014. I actually can't remember. Anyway, one of them. England beat Argentina in the quarters, and it sets up an England semi-final against. Any ideas? Semi-final. Who did Germany play in the semi-final? They played Spain. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who England played in this in their semi-final. Ivory Coast. While all this had been going on, brilliant. Since 2007, the one and only Arsene Wenger had been working on a little separate project. <laughs> he hadn't been able to secure any of the uh, top European jobs. He went a little bit rogue, uh, and he took on the Ivory Coast project. And the Ivory Coast right, at this man. time had a little cluster of excellence in the Premier League. Drogba, Kalou, Colo Torre, Abue were all players that... Uh... Abue snuck into that list. <laughs> well, he, he played for Wenger at Arsenal. He was all right. Um not bad, but I mean, next to Drogba and Yaya Torre. <laughs> well, Yaya Torre and uh, Dizzy Sakura were a Champions League winning they engine were. room. They were. Under Wenger, uh, Ivory Coast had a World Cup group of uh, Brazil, Portugal and North Korea. Um, which they win that whole group. They beat Chile in the first knockout round, which sets up a quarterfinal tie against Martin Yol's Netherlands. Ivory Coast beat the Netherlands. There's no final appearance for Netherlands at this World Cup. I think it was this World Cup. Um, And it is a Mourinho-Wenger World Cup semi-final, but it's England versus Ivory Coast. (laughs) It's basically a Premier League All-Stars game as well. And uh, let me tell you, when Wenger plays England, uh, Wenger plays Mourinho in this England versus Ivory Coast matchup, it's Wenger who come out on top in that semi-final. We're talking about an Ivory Coast versus Spain final in Africa. In Africa, obviously Ivory Coast win. Dropper loves a final, and it's 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 absolute scenes when the first African team wins a World Love Cup. That. In Africa, if you're wondering about iconic photographs, there's an iconic image of South Africa <laughs> of. Uh, uh, Ivory Coast lifting the World Cup in South Africa with big Arsene Wenger at the helm. I mean, it's a world that I would love to have been a part of. And I it all happened. I, I, I say I wish I was. Tottenham won a Champions League, so I don't. <laughs> but I certainly wish I happened. And uh, it all happened because in the Spurs canteen, they were served salad rather than lasagna that's, in May 2006. And that's how the tall tale that's concludes. That's absolute... <laughs> powerhouse of a tall tale so many things to unpack <laughs> i love so much the fact that an african team won the african world cup so and that was a great team and me yeah. and you one of the first things how long have we known each other now like five six years uh, a good one l- of the first long. too long too long one of the first things we bonded on was a mutual love of didier drogba yeah absolutely. Uh, from neither two people that don't, neither of us really have any i can't stand chelsea no but I love Didier Drogba, and so do you. And I'm so happy that I assume he scored the only goal. Oh, yeah, he final. scored the only goal in a 1-0 win. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I absolutely love that. That's brilliant. And I don't love the Tottenham arc, but no. West Ham won their fourth FA Cup. So, you know. West Ham got an FA Cup. The Tottenham giver and you taketh away <laughs> in your total. And at least the Tottenham uh, journey of success had a definitive end. 
Yeah, and, and I don't want to say that crashing note. I don't want to say that this podcast is anti-Tottenham. You yeah. know, in case any Tottenham fans listen, but this podcast will. There's certain teams: Sheffield United, Tottenham, Leeds, Chelsea. That probably won't get as much love as other teams no. might. Maybe, but. Listen, you know. we can all come together as friends if Ivory Coast win the World Cup. So, <laughs> who gives a shit, really? Well, that's what would have happened uh, in my version of events, which I think, you know, we'd like to sort of think about whether it was, was a better sort of reality to live in or a worse one. For you, it's debatable because Tottenham did well. For me, yeah. it's absolutely, uh, absolutely oh, yeah. no-brainer. I would have loved to. For me, I'd well. probably take it because as much as Tottenham win the Champions if you gave me like Tottenham win the Champions League but West yeah. Ham win the FA Cup, I'd take it. Yeah. Because the only trophy I've ever seen is win is a playoff final. So, mm. well, I, I'd probably take that. But, yes. Anyway. Anyway, I want to hear anyway. what you think would have happened if on would... May 2006 Arsenal been served salad. I want to hear it. I'll take you through it. I'll take you through what would have happened, mate. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna refer to my word document as I always do, and I'm gonna start the clock. So Warren, let me tease for you. This is how Tottenham Hotspur being served salad in May 2006 leads to one of the greatest periods in the club's history. Okay. Leads to trophies in North London, trophies in East London. Jason Roberts writing himself <laughs> into the history books. Now there's a name. <laughs> and actually, I was about to skip one. The revival of the career of Eduardo De Silva, that comes up. Oh, as and also, the collapse of a bank. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens there. A bank? I'd also like to touch on first that, you know, this is this whole tall tale is essentially null and void because the uh, the Health Protection Agency did tests and they just had the flu. There was nothing to do with lasagna. But let's pretend <laughs> that the lasagna was the problem, just for a sweet second there. The Tottenham squad, they wake up refreshed and ready to go in the five-star Marriott Hotel in Canary Wharf. Ooh, very nice. Staying. The salad went down a treat. It was very much not poisoned. Mm. Um, I've taken the liberty to look at a recent review on Booking.com of said hotel. Mm. And a man named Paul remarked that uh, the room was very comfortable. And I'm quoting here. The room was very comfortable and clean and well-equipped, including a chaise lounge. <laughs> we, had a, we had a lovely view of the dock. And the boat's moored there. It's an so early I'm appearance for Paul of, in the uh, football Paul, how to change it I don't think I don't think anyone expected that. But Paul has helped paint an image in our minds. You can imagine mm. that Lee Young-Pyo was comforted by the docks in the morning and not unwell. Um, and Edgar Davids was pleasantly surprised by the inclusion of a chaise long in the room mm. and not unwell. Um, they both started the game at Upton Park later that day. So the, there's... I guess a bit of an eerie mood, but that makes sense. You know, mm. it's a big day. And also maybe, you know, it feels like there's a plot twist missing in the morning. <laughs> but Martin Yoles helped himself to the continental breakfast. Chris Hewton's having a cup of tea. You know, there's no real distractions. Everyone's had a good night rest. So uh, they just make the short, uh, short hop over to Upton Park. No bother, really. Mm. But this is a big game. This is a big yeah. game. And you've set the scene absolutely lovely. But for three teams involved, I'd say, you've got Tottenham, obviously, as you've said, opportunity to come above Arsenal you've got West Ham they would love to stop Tottenham getting that and let me tell you in real life we did mm. uh, but we would love to stop Tottenham getting Champions League and Arsenal don't want to finish below Tottenham but what you also have to remember is this is their last ever game at Highbury mm. that they're playing today as well at home to Wigan Athletic and they've got a Champions League final coming up 10 days later so they do in Paris but anyway that's enough preamble we're going to move past that both North London teams come out firing. So in real life, as it happened in real life, Arsenal take an eighth-minute lead over Wigan through Robert Pires. But 
just seconds later in this universe, Tottenham come out firing as well. They're they're fit and raring to go. And naturally, as always happens, an ex-West Ham player has come to West Ham and scored. Yep. It's Michael Carrick who scores literally within seconds of the Robert Perez go up some part. Mm. Who he was one of the more poison players uh, in real life, and I think he come off on the hour for Andy Reid of all players. Ooh. What the um, guy that was at Forest? Yes, he's got a left yes. foot. Yeah, a wand, a <laughs> wand of a left foot. <laughs> but Michael Carrick's fit and raring to go. And he, like I say, fulfills the role of every ex-West Ham player coming to Upton Park and scoring. So that kind of quelled the initial hope that there might have been at Highbury straight away. And that got even worse two minutes later when Paul Sharner went and scored an equaliser, which again happened in real life. And it got even worse on 33 minutes when David Thompson, and I'll tell you, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup to be fair, (laughs) but he scored on 33 minutes and we're going to 2-1 up at Highbury. Goodness. In real life, the Knackered Spurs team were losing at this point, but not here, not this universe. Not They've come yet. out firing. And once again, as you've touched on and it happened in your story, the other ex-West Ham player has come to Upton Park and scored. Yep. Jermaine Defoe in front of the Bobby Moore lower. On his first return to Upton Park since he left in disgrace about just over a year earlier, where, by the way, I'd like to just get this out there. He was sent off three times in four months before really? he left West Ham. Wow. Yeah, oh, right, yeah. He got three. He got relegated, sent in a transfer request, and got sent off three times. Before. I can't stand the man. Of course, he's going to score in front of the Bobby Moore lower. Great striker. Two 0 at Tottenham. He's a great striker, but we skirt past that. Um, two 0 at Tottenham. Two one to Wigan. Surely this is game set and match done. But what a few people maybe forget is West Ham had a few ex Spurs players in their team as well. Isn't mm. Etherington was ex Spurs. Zamora was ex Spurs. We've got a fair few ourselves. And the roles reversed on a stroke of half-time. Bobby Zamora, as I've just mentioned there, ex-Tottenham player, pulls one back in first-half injury time. But Arsenal was still trailing. So the second half, both Arsenal and West Ham are 2-1 down. But mm. Both teams are pushing. Wigan, at this point as well, you know, just a bit for colour the colour for the report, the way results going, will actually leapfrog West Ham in the table. Into really? Nine. That's so, an interesting yeah. detail. Yeah. Nice little bit of uh, colour for the report there, I think. Yeah. But again, Tottenham Tottenham looks strong still. They're not knackered. Like I say, they haven't had to hook off Michael Carrick on the hour. They look full of energy, really. Mm. This is such a big game for them. And they're holding on quite comfortably. Or are they? <laughs> Playing for places is a thing. And as I've mentioned, West Ham had a cup final the week after. Yeah. And Hayden Mullins, West Ham's number 17, reason number one, why I'm wearing number 17 on my shirt. Oh, very nice. Um... He suspended. He got sent off for having a scrap with Luis Garcia the mm. week before. Playing in this place is Carl Fletcher. He receives the ball from Lionel Scaloni, current Argentinian national team manager. Reason number two why I'm wearing this Argentinian shirt. <laughs> it's a twofer. <laughs> it's a twofer. Wait a minute. You might have a threefer coming here. Carl Don't Fletcher go to bed just yet. <laughs> Don't go to bed, DG. He lays a beautiful ball down the channel for Marlon Harewood to run onto. Ooh. Tight angle, as a shot, gets a good shot away, parried by Paul Robinson into the path of an onrushing, like a raging buffalo, Carl Fletcher, Carl. who smashes it home, twats it, two all. West Ham have come from two goals down to draw. Similarly, again, the last reason why I've got this shirt, it's a threefer. On the back of it, because for some reason I've got it half price because his name was on the back, is Manuel Lanzini, who some people might remember a couple of weeks ago, oh, yes. scored a pretty delightful equaliser in the 95th minute after West Ham had been 3-0 down. But I just wanted to... Against Spurs, no less? Against Tottenham. Against Tottenham. So those are the three. That's the threefer. But it's two all. Mm. 
And in, again, a bit like earlier in the game, within seconds of that goal going in, there's another breakthrough at Highbury. Oh. Within seconds of that Fletcher goal, corner gets whipped in at Highbury. Gilberto Silva gets his head on it. Ooh, Mike Pollitt makes the save, but it falls at the foot of Dennis Bergkamp in his last competitive game for Arsenal. Yeah, of course, yeah. Highbury's a frenzy. They've heard the full-time whistle's gone. Chris Foy's blowing up Upton Park. Arsenal's still playing. One more goal now. Goal difference. Arsenal are in the Champions League. And Arsenal have got one more corner. Fabregas whips it in. Meets the head of Thierry Henry. Oh. And it's cleared off the line by a young Leighton Baines, of all people. Wow. Now, what you've got to know is this is last minute. Jens Lehmann's up for the corner. And he's tearing back. And Emmanuel Abue, I've already given a little bit of shit today, <laughs> loses the ball on the halfway oh, line to Pascal Chimbonda, who starts running out, running towards Jens Lehmann, who's tearing back towards his goal. Abue's chasing Chimbonda, but he can't get to him. It's one-on-one. Chimbonda knocks the ball past Lehmann, and he brings him down. It's two-all, but Wigan have got a penalty. At the wrong end. And Uriah Rennie, it, Lehmann's already walking. Oh, yeah. It's a red card. Layman's gone. Wigan have got a penalty in the last minute. Colo Torre's given the gloves because Arsenal have already made all three subs. And there's a somber mood that takes over Highbury. Yeah. Jason Roberts steps up. The last oh, goal at Highbury will not be a Thierry Henry penalty, oh. but a Jason Roberts penalty. 3-2 to, <laughs> to Wigan. Full time. And for the first time since 1995, St. Tottenham's Day is cancelled. Wow. Tottenham have got the Champions League. But so have Arsenal. Now, you might remember the Champions League final, which is 10 days later against Barcelona. 13 minutes in, Jens Lehmann comes rushing out of his goal and uh, gets sent off for hacking down Samueletto. In this universe, the ball gets sent over. Obviously, Lehmann's not suspended because it's only domestic competitions he'd be suspended. Yeah. He's in two minds to go out when Eto's been sent through because he's like, well, I got sent off last week, so do I come out again? You know, he kind of... He hesitates a little bit. Eto's running down on him. But when Eto has a shot, Lehman's equal to it. Saves it. Stays big. So he stays big. Still 11 v 11 and Arsenal are not a goal down. So when Sol Campbell scores after 37 minutes, which still happens, it's 11 v 11. And Arsenal have got a chance in their last year at Highbury to win the Champions League. That's motivation enough. Mm. Twist of fate is 10 days later and Arsenal are clinging on 1-0. 1-0. Barcelona this time get the mm. corner at the death. And Ronaldinho, mentioned in your tell, <laughs> whips it in. And Lehman comes to punch. Oh, yes. And it's a big punch. And who's onto it? Thierry Henry. Arsenal legend. Victor Valdez was up for the corner. Oh, There's no one between symmetry. him and the goal. And at the Stade de France, Thierry Is Henry it? has got the whole stadium to himself. 25, 30 yards out. Rolls it in. 2-0 to Arsenal. Their first Champions League ever in their last season at Highbury in France with Henri getting the winner Wenger managing the team and like Liverpool the year before an English team qualified for the Champions League Mm. courtesy of winning the whole thing I don't know but I feel like Arsenal fans would have taken that over Lasagna Gate yeah, because that's just they make... get the same benefit of Champions League. Exactly, they still the get trophy. the Champions League. And I think but they win the, it. The 2007, I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I think the 2007 Champions League fan is a real. Uh, oh, that's it's a, that... quite a what if moment for Arsenal fans. That's a isn't bitter it? one. Yeah, yeah. If, if Lehman don't get sent off, which is another one that we could do at another time. Could easily do. Um, but we're doing but it here. It's, it's definitely come in here. Mm. Um, but yeah, all this leads to 
season two, 2006-07 now. Uh, Tottenham come into the Champions League at the third qualifying stage. It's a Mido masterclass at White Hart Lane as they beat Dynamo Zagreb over two legs. Arsenal, though, had to come through three qualifying rounds. Now, this does mean a couple of things. Firstly, the first competitive game at the Emirates Stadium is not against Aston Villa. No. It's against Luxembourgian outfit, <laughs> F91 Dudelange. I think I'm saying that right. Dudelange. And that also means that the first competitive goal at the Emirates was not scored by Olaf Melberg, but Jeremy Aliadier in a Oh, very nice. Goal. Oh, very nice. So they beat them. They beat uh, Hungarian team Debrecen in the next game. But then they come to the third qualifying round against Lille. Mm. Return to France, first time since the final. Mm. They win the first leg 2-1 at the Emirates. But then they return to northern France and a Claude Puel managed Lille. Yeah, it was. Apparently. Score a 1-0 victory over Arsenal with the only goal being scored by Peter Oden Wingy. Lille go through and away goals. Arsenal get sent crashing out. Wow. And into the UEFA Cup qualifying stages where mm. they get into the group stages, you know, pretty normally. Yeah. Uh, the If you're wondering, the team they have essentially erased from resistant, uh, erased from existence there, sorry, is North Macedonian side mm. FK Rabbit Nicky. So if there, if there are any FK Rabbit Nicky fans, I do apologise. If there are. Again, we... much like you are trying to find a keto shirt, I'll find the... <laughs> FK exactly. Rabbit Nicky top and wear that next week. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and I thought Fernabachi and Argentina were, were, were niche. Enough. Next week he's going to go to a new level. But um, yeah, so this puts him in the UEFA Cup in a group with AZ Alkmaar, Sevilla, Braga and Sloven Liberic. If you're wondering, mm. they come second in that group behind Sevilla who also uh, beat them in the Super Cup because Sevilla won the UEFA Cup year before. Oh. So Sevilla go and beat Arsenal in the Super Cup. Just a bit of colour there. Mm. But league-wise, Arsenal get off to a bit of a tough start. Slow start. There is teething problems in the new ground. Mm. Olympic Stadium has teething problems (laughs) in the new ground. They're not really acclimatising to it. And uh, it takes until early December where the tide turns. The Mm. first North London derby at the New Emirates. And that one's fated. It's a 3-0 win for Arsenal. One goal from Emmanuel Adebayor, who's looking like a pretty promising striker at this point and two Gilberto Silva penalties very nice but how are Tottenham doing mm. so at this point they've had a good start to the league they're sitting in fourth before the Arsenal game they've already they've got Berbatov and he's flying great footballer one of the few Tottenham footballers that I really like he's a he's up there for me Rolls Royce of a footballer yeah um, they're still in the League Cup where they actually got drawn against Arsenal in the semis and as, as they did in your tall tale they've topped their Champions League group mm. above Porto CSKA and Hamburg but December and January a little bit rocky for Tottenham until that League Cup semi, which comes in January against Arsenal, and it's another turning point. Mm. Pardon me, I've just burped. Two will draw at White Hart Lane. Ooh, okay. But then it comes to the Emirates. Yeah. One all after normal time, so it goes to extra time. And this happened in real life, but Arsenal went on and won three one extra time. This time it's the other way round at the Emirates which must be pretty sweet for Tottenham fans. Yeah. Robbie Keane, nets early in extra time. And a real bogeyman for Arsenal at this point. You may, may remember he won the penalty for Wigan at the end of last oh, season. Pascal Chimbonda. Oh, New yeah. Tottenham signing. Scores at the right end this time. He scored no goal in real life. <laughs> and Tottenham win 3-1. And uh, yeah, they lose ch- comfortably at Chelsea in the final. Of course they do. And they also knock oh, yeah. Tottenham out of the uh, FA Cup in the fifth round. But, you know, they yeah. still they get to a League Cup final a year earlier than they did in real life. So that's good. Mm. And uh, Europe also sees Tottenham get to a quarterfinal. Like you say, they beat PSV, but comfortably they lose to Liverpool over two legs. Mm. Uh, it, I think it's 5-1 over two legs. Damn. 
So there's still a real gap. And it's really starting to look like there's a top three, which is obviously Liverpool, Man United and Chelsea. And mm. then there's everyone else. Arsenal are kind of being cut adrift at this point. Mm. They went on a bit of a run in Europe, to be fair, Arsenal. They managed to get to the final of the Europa League. Um where they actually played Fenerbahce in that run as well. So there's another little Did shout they? out to your top. Oh, excellent stuff. But they meet Sevilla again, who beat them in the groups Ooh. and beat them in the Super Cup final. And now they're playing them again in the UEFA Cup final. And while this tall tale is a little bit strange, Sevilla do not lose yeah. in the UEFA Cup or the Europa League. Let's not go crazy. And in keeping to the theme of, you know, ex-players coming back, it's ex-Tottenham player Freddie Canute and ex-West Ham player oh, Freddie Canute who scores a brace and a Danny Elvis screamer who was still at Sevilla at the time. Oh, and he was capable. And Sevilla win 3-1. It's a late consolation goal in what would prove to be Thierry Henry's last goal for the club. Oh. And then he goes to Barcelona. Yeah. So Tottenham finished fourth that season. They coast into okay. that position a lot easier than they did the year before. So you go into the next season. It was a bit of a down year for Tottenham. They finished 7th in the league. Mm. But given the fact they've got Champions League football, they still acquire well. And they beat Tottenham, actually. Uh, they beat Arsenal, sorry, to the signing of a hot prospect from Dinamo Zagreb, Eduardo De Silva. Oh. And he hits the ground running. He was highly sought after that summer. Arsenal obviously got him. But he mm. forms a cracking partner with, partnership with Dimitar Berbatov. Robbie Keane, I'm assuming, is phased out. Yeah, um, And the knock-on impacts of this as well, I'd like to add, are there's much less British publicity for Roman Pavlyuchenko, who mm. never makes it to England, failing a short spell where he signs for Hull on a free in 2017 <laughs> under Leonid Slutsky, and he scores one goal uh, away at Barnsley. <laughs> Leonid Slutsky's snuck in at this episode Fun of the fact podcast. about Slutsky, I've got a, I've got a Slutsky fact from wikipedia Ooh. that was tough to say we've had a couple of beers he uh his playing career with fc zveda gorodice ended at the age of just 19 oh. and he had to retire from football after a knee injury that was sustained after falling out of a tree while trying to rescue his neighbor's cat <laughs> thank you to wikipedia for that one it's a noble sacrifice uh, it is it is a notable game. sacrifice but anyway arsenal had uh, a real in real life they had a title charge that season but uh, not in this one. No. The uh, the UEFA Cup defeat and UEFA Cup football has spelled decline. Fabregas mm. has already gone at Barcelona. Adfile mm. starting to build some kind of career. He's gone to AC Milan. And the slow, mm. de- slow decline for Wenger comes a lot quicker yeah. in this world. They still have the 6-2 defeat to Tottenham in the League Cup semi-finals with the 5-1 defeat uh, at White Hart Lane, yeah. which actually makes sense in this universe. Yeah. <laughs> go out early in the FA Cup. UEFA Cup dumps him out of the round of 16, which I'd like to just mention the player that scored there. It was a 3-0 defeat at the Estadio da Luz uh, against Benfica with two goals from the best striker I've ever played with on FIFA, Oscar Cardoza. Um, so, you know, what a pretty player. good. Arsenal end up finishing fifth. So they do actually come, come above Tottenham, but for some yeah. reason it still feels like you'd prefer to be a Tottenham fan. Mm. And... That means uh, Everton actually pip them to fourth place that year. Oh, really? And the joke okay. starts to become that Arsenal always come fifth. That's three years <laughs> in a row now that Arsenal have come fifth. So it's never the Arsenal come fourth joke. It's yeah. the Arsenal come fifth joke. But at Tottenham, we're going back to Tottenham now. Mm. Eduardo fulfills the potential that he was believed to have, helped by the fact that he wasn't on the end of an absolute career ending yeah. tackle by Martin Taylor at Birmingham. I was wondering if his leg would remain in one piece. His leg does remain not out of his skin. So that's good. Um, Tottenham, they lose early in the FA Cup. But in the Champions League, they get to the quarterfinals again. They beat mm. AC Milan 
in the round of 16 with a Berbatov goal at uh, the San Siro in a 1-0 win. The home leg sees Adebayor return. Oh, yes. Obviously, ex-Arsenal player. He returns with a goal, but Eduardo scores a brace, and it's a famous night for Tottenham Hotspur. They once again draw Liverpool in the quarters. Mm. But it's a bit closer this time, but they still get knocked out. But they're getting closer. It's a 1-0 in each leg. First leg, Torres gets the goal. Second leg, Yossi Benayoun who scored the goal oh. that knocked him out of the Champions League in real life. Well, yeah. stopped him from getting to the Champions League. One of my favourite goals of all time. Um, but you may remember that this year in real life, Tottenham actually won the League Cup. Yeah. And that still happens. Eduardo and Steed Malbrank get the goals, Steve. I've decided. Simply because I wanted to, to get Steve <laughs> Malbrank in there. And finally, finally, Chelsea, have, uh, not Chelsea, Tottenham, in beating Chelsea, Yeah have beaten one of the big three. It was something that really was proving to be a bit of a problem. Obviously, Liverpool knocked them out of the Champions League quite mm. a lot. And they've got their first first trophy since the 1999 Worthington Cup. And the journey at this point begins. And I've got 10 minutes to take you through that journey. <laughs> so call me mental. It's a good thing that I'm getting to this bit. Uh, I'm now going to go from 20, 2008 to May 2014 in quite a short space of time. Fair enough. Arsenal aren't even worth mentioning in this point. I'm going to completely drop them out here. They have a few Europa League campaigns. They get to a couple of top seven finishes and a couple of, you know, cup semifinals. Mm. But there's a real drought. It's a real decline for Arsenal. Key players leave for Champions League football on regular intervals. And on the fateful day, which I'm just going to foreshadow there, just tease, uh, Arsenal have wrapped up another seventh place finish. And it's a solitary Jay Rodriguez goal that's enough uh, to beat West Brom at the Emirates. For us. But let's go back to Tottenham. <laughs> Tottenham have had some crazy years as I was teeing up. So yeah. it was the breakaway top three. And Tottenham were the only team to really threaten that. And in 2008-9, they make their third straight League Cup final, as Ooh. they did in real life. And they play Man United on penalties. But this time they win on penalties. So that's three League Cup finals in two years. Uh, no, three League Cup finals in three years. It'd be tough if they made it to three in two years. <laughs> that would be and impressive. they've won the last two. Yeah. 2009-10 now. We're moving on a season. And they return to the top four. So they've been fifth the season before, just outside. And now they're back into the top four. Mm. Do you remember that win at Man City where it was them or Man City to get to the uh, Euro, uh, to the Champions League and they went to the City of Manchester Stadium and it was a Peter Crouch goal. Yeah, I do. It yeah. uh, made them win 1-0. The same thing happens that season, but the goal is scored by Edin Dzeko. Why oh. is he doing there? Dimitar Berbatov at Tottenham. At Tottenham, yeah, not Man City. Mm. Dimitar Berbatov got a move to Inter Milan because he'd been doing so well. When he managed to pick himself a Champions League winning medal, oh, that, very uh, nice, well deserved that year. So that's really nice. Yeah. And from that money that they got from Inter Milan, they go and get Edin Dzeko from Wolfsburg. Another good striker. Exactly. We move on another year. 2010-11, Tottenham make it to the Champions League quarterfinals before defeat to Real Madrid, but they secure another fourth-place finish. Ooh. The climb is beginning for Tottenham. Ooh. The next season, 2011-12, Tottenham pit Liverpool, who never had their meltdown, to third place, yeah. finally breaking the big three domination. City win the league. Chelsea are out of the top four, but they win the Champions League final. You might remember they did this and Tottenham finished fourth. Yeah. And knocked Tottenham out of the Champions League the next year. So that's what the rules were at the time. But now Tottenham are third. It's Liverpool that have Champions oh. League football taken from them. Tottenham remain in the Champions League. And uh, while we're at it, the FA Cup, Tottenham go and win that as well. Beating of all teams, Liverpool in Ooh. the final. And uh, just again, a bit of a colour to report. Yeah. Gareth Bale doesn't ever hit the heights he did in uh, real life. But he does put in a man of the match performance in that final. 
a goal and an assist. And Tottenham have now won an FA Cup to go with their two League Cups. Mm. One more year, 2012-13. They're up to second now behind Man United. Sir Alex was never going to give it up in his final year. No. But there was some disappointment in the Champions League. They went out in a weak group behind Schalke and Olympiacos and drop Mm. into the Europa League. But this gives them another cup as they drop into the Europa League. They beat Levante. They beat Ruben Kazan. Chelsea in the quarterfinals in a famous night. And then Basel leading them to a final against Benfica who you may know are cursed in European Very club finals. So. Yeah. And uh, it comes out in maybe the cruelest way in this universe. They lead 2-0 at half-time in the Europa League final, only for Tottenham to stage a dramatic comeback. A 94th-minute winner from Willian, who joined Tottenham oh, yeah. the summer before. A year before Chelsea gave him a reason to shaft Tottenham, he <laughs> scores a hat-trick, including a 94th-minute winner giving Tottenham a 3-2 win and the Europa League. And you might think this sounds like a similar kind of game. The Mm. Europa League final that year was played at the Amsterdam Arena. The Johan Cruyff Arena, I should say, Mm. in Amsterdam. So their famous night in the Dutch capital came then in 2013. And the hat-trick by a Brazilian winger was Willian. Now that is not Lucas Moura. That is neatly done. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. But now we move on to the next season. So yeah. Tottenham have now got two League Cups, an FA Cup and Europa League and finished as high as second in the Premier League That's moving good. into 2013-14. Mm. And the two runaway best teams in this league now are Tottenham and Manchester City. And with two games left in the season for Tottenham, City have got a game in hand. Tottenham lead City by four points. Ooh. City have the game in hand on a winnable running. They win at Everton to bring it back to one point. Right. On the evening of the 3rd of May, where the Tottenham team meet at a hotel in East London before their penultimate game of the season, oh. <laughs> away at West Ham United. They sit down for their dinner at the hotel. And what's on the menu tonight? What have they served? It's lasagna. Oh, no. <laughs> it's lasagna. But where have West Ham been? I'm going to have to fly through this because I'm running out of time. West Ham have been everywhere. So you go all the way back to 2006-07. Wigan's last day win at Highbury actually draws a bit more attention. And they signed a couple of players that summer, one of which being Preston North End striker David Nugent. And he's he's not a game changer, but he had a great season at Preston the year before Mm. in the championship. And it's enough to get him about five or six points over the course of that season. So what does that mean? Come the final game of the season, when uh, Tevez scores at Old Trafford, West Ham need to win to stay up. That would be fine as long as Sheffield United don't win against Wigan, which obviously they didn't in real life and sent Mm. them down. In In this universe, Wigan have got nothing to play for. Sheffield United stroll to a 3-0 win. Mm. Wigan are already on the beach. And West, West Ham go down to the championship. Strangely enough, there's no real inquest about the Tevez thing at that point. So uh, <laughs> Funny that. Because, of course, there isn't. And uh, West Ham lose the next year to Hull City in the playoff semi-finals. Oh, I know how that feels. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the next season promises a lot under Alan Kirbishley. He gets another mention. Two oh. in one episode. Oh, that is far too many. Highly fancied. Until their sponsor, XL Airways. Goes bankrupt, which really happened. And the Icelandic owners that currently run the club are at the centre of the 2008 Icelandic financial (laughs) crisis. And suddenly, West Ham are part of a fire sale. The fact that West Ham are no longer a Premier League team really does not help to save the banks in Iceland. And West Ham suddenly are penniless. And they don't go up as champions, but they get relegated again to League One. West Ham. The next season starts with a points deduction. Ten points de- oh. ten points deducted due to financial issues. No buys imminent. 
in a positive piece of news, even Gold Sullivan and Brady won't touch us with a basketball yeah, at this point. Yeah, I was about to ask. Yeah. So, uh, but for League One, we you know we managed to attract some decent quality players, and we end up finishing the lower end of mid table. Oh, impressive! Exactly. <laughs> but 2010-11 finally brings some good news for the club. An overseas mm. consortium completes a takeover of the club, and hopes begin of a promotion campaign. And they sneak Ooh. into the playoffs ahead of Bournemouth, Leighton Orient, and Exeter City. West Ham oh. win the first leg of the semi-final away at Huddersfield, one 0 win before coming back to Upton Park and it looked like it was going to extra time. A Jordan Rhodes goal on the night, one or one aggregate. For West Ham. Until for Huddersfield. Oh, for, for Huddersfield. Huddersfield. He's still at Huddersfield at the time. <laughs> well, I say he's still at Huddersfield at the time. <laughs> so I just remember what's coming. <laughs> A late goal from Kyle Reed of all people. That Kyle. will mean nothing to many people. But Never he even. scores a late goal to send West Ham and Upton Park into raptures. And they go into the final at Old Trafford, where the playoff yeah. finals were that year, Peter against Bro? Peterborough, where yeah. we've been relegated only four years earlier. And we get promoted to the championship. Oh. Goals coming from ex-Peterborough striker Craig McHale-Smith, who we were heavily linked with anyway. And no, he was a fittingly, a Mark Noble penalty, who stayed with us because, of course, he did. What a boy. The next season... It's back-to-back promotions. Instead of being the favourites, we're the underdogs when we go into the player final against Blackpool at Wembley. And it's fated again. It's a 2-1 win. The first goal coming from new big money signing, Jordan Rhodes from Huddersfield. (laughs) And of all places, (laughs) the second one, the second one coming from Tottenham loanee, Andros Townsend. A 2-1 win. And after five whirlwind years, West Ham are back in the Premier League. The next season, we, you know, it's mid-table mediocrity. We're fine. We solidify ourselves in 2012-13. 2013-14 is a tougher year, mm. but by the penultimate game of the season when we've got Tottenham, we're safe. We're fine. The highlights from the season have actually been two wins over Tottenham, a 3-0 win away in the Ooh. league at White Hart Lane and a 2-1 win in the League Cup at White Hart Lane as well. Both fated. West Ham won three times over Tottenham that year, and that was fated, <laughs> as was Lasagna. 4th of May 2014, the Tottenham squad wake up and to a man, they've got lasagna <laughs> exploding out of all kinds of orifices, all ends of their bodies. Daniel Levy, in true style, blames those pesky West Ham fans. The chef was an Arsenal fan, he was a West Ham fan or some bollocks, whatever Daniel Levy's on this time. Spurs, he's, he's asking for the game to be postponed, but the game is played and Tottenham fall to a fated 2-0 defeat at oh. Park. The two goals, as was on the day, Harry Kane own goal, and instead of being at the start of his career, he comes back. And at the end of his career, it's Yossi Benayoun that Yossi. puts the seal on it. A 2-0 win. The man who ended their dreams in 2006. <laughs> one of my favourite goals of all time. He's done it again. Wow. City win their game in hand. And City win the league. Ironically, beating West Ham on the final day of the season. That is that. That is how Tottenham bottled the title. <laughs> in 2013-14. A period of tremendous success at White Hart Lane. Many a trophy parade down the Seven Sisters Road. But do they ever get over that Premier League hump? And on exactly half an hour, I'll let the folks at home decide. <laughs> I've said folks wrong. I said folks. But the folks, folks at home will decide. Wow. And that is the end of my tall tale. What a tall tale it was. A lengthy one. A lengthy oh, one. Oh, I enjoyed every second. The, the, <laughs> the symmetry that you achieved... With there was a lot of symmetry. I was happy symmetrical. with the symmetry I got this yeah. time. It was like a work of uh, a work of Renaissance art. I don't know if they're symmetrical, but it was very pretty. 
I, I really like enjoyed it. Some Renaissance art that is pretty perfectly symmetrical. Well, they've got to put something in their art galleries. The, the, the tall tale that you just uh, you just expunged was 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 artistic, in my opinion. I love the fact that I had a sneaking suspicion that West Ham would come uh, come back to buy Tottenham at some point, but I didn't think that West Ham would take I the road. Let that, that go. No, I couldn't let that go. Especially, I think Tottenham did win two 0 So, given they're going to win the league this year, I had to kind of take every small victory I can get. Them in <laughs> and it had to be somehow West Ham, West Ham breaking Tottenham hearts. And I feel like I achieved that whilst also giving Tottenham some due credit. They won yeah. a lot. They won a lot of titles over them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in terms of your tall tale versus real life, where would you? Uh... What 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 would you take? Do you reckon? Because Tottenham won a lot of trophies in your tall tale. I mean, yeah, I I would take real life because West Ham went down to League One and yeah. back. It's not a pretty place to be. I, I don't ever want to have a time where I've got Jordan Rhodes and Craig McCouts. You know how difficult it is to support a team with Jordan Rhodes leading the line. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's why I prefer your tall tale to real life because predict because <laughs> you don't get Jordan Rhodes. We never get Jordan Rhodes exactly. <laughs> Well, to be fair, you didn't sign him until about 2017, so there's plenty of time. You know, oh god, it's about well. three years left. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the folks home decide Jordan Rhodes ends up at Hillsborough and is a success. Who knows? We uh, we uh, we don't know. But what I do know is that was an excellent tall tale to round off episode two. Uh, an excellent episode. An excellent episode. I hope. I hope that people enjoy it. I hope people watch it again. Uh, obviously, episode one is out right now. Uh, if you're Can't on this video, it. just go find the other one. Well, at some point, we'll put a playlist sure we'll together. Put some links. Yeah, we'll put some links. Uh, do just want to say uh, a final thank you to. Uh, Mr. Matthew Lovett for being uh, yeah. an extremely well good done, help for a man that knows he's nothing about football. Cracking work. He's done Even God's he work. Very little. Um, well, he knows a lot, but not about the subject matter. Yeah, exactly. Much, and I know a lot about football and not a lot about anything else. So you know, as a, <laughs> as a team, I think we work well. But um, yeah, that was episode two. Feel free to uh, leave some comments about what you think. Any questions or Feel suggestions or anything yeah. else? Absolutely. Got a Twitter account. Follow that football fake pod. Um, but I think I've uh, got nothing else to say on this matter. There'll be another episode out shortly, will there not, Tim? Yeah, but we'll get around to it, I'm sure. We'll find a way to do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Don't know but, what it'll uh, be on. But, no, uh, no, we haven't decided that yet. But I'm sure that'll be decided in due time. Until then, though, thank you ever so much for listening, as always. And this has been the Football Fate and How to Change It podcast. I assume you have nothing to add, Frog. I don't have anything to add. Um, Brilliant. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. You wrap it up. Uh, thank you for listening, and as always, stay lucky. Bye bye. <laughs>